0: That'll do, Peg. That'll do.
1: <laughs> what was that all? That was babe. A
0: babe. I wonder if my kids would like Babe. There's nothing horrible in Babe, is there? No, I wouldn't have I don't think so. Don't, don't remember. No. no. It's, not, it's not like Charlotte's Web.
2: Yeah, well, that's the whole dystopian thing. <laughs> Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 26, for the 28th of October, 2022. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At KASNA, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, we're getting the band back together for the first year anniversary special. Plus, what's going on with all the hacks? We take a look at Google Next... And I should let you know that we're doing this across three time zones. But before we get to any of that, I'd like to introduce the co-hosts of the show... Dave Wall, how are you going, Dave? I'm feeling cramped in this one
0: today, Banky. <laughs> oh, I know it's crowded,
2: <laughs> and our special guest today, Ian Brown. How are you going, Ian? Hey, Banky. Yeah, guys. How are you? Good, good, good. And back for the second time, Troy Beebe. How are you going, Troy? Hey, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. And of course, a very, very special guest today from our internal security domain. It's Rick Elsom. How are you going, Rick? Hey, guys. Thanks very, very much. What have you been up to? Have you guys been up to any,
0: like, uh, tech adventures or playing with anything during the week? I've had a tech misadventure. I was going to come up with an adventure. I had a new Raspberry Pi thing that I was doing, but I got a little bit of a rant because I had a Here broken monitor that I raised an RMA for, and they picked it up a month ago. I chased them up, like, where's my monitor? Like, what's going on? Yeah. They come back, and they said, oh, yeah, we've sent a credit to the retailer. What? what? Why? Why? Why then, did you, <laughs> I was like, where's my monitor? <laughs> I, I can't look at a credit. And so something now, you bought on eBay? No? no? No, no, It was from, like, um, you know, PC case gear, right? Oh, so, but, right you know, I just, oh. oh like, why? Well, so, now I have to go chase them and be like, hey, guys, apparently you've that, got yeah. some money for a screen. Mm. So Yeah, yeah and that'll,
2: that'll be lost in the pile of paperwork and, like, yeah. it'll take another month to sort that out.
0: Yep.
3: Um, I got a well, new I've, Pixel 7. You got Pixel 7? off. Oh, yeah, please the, tell. The plus, yeah. yeah, it was good. Well, I cracked my 6, of course, and it was yeah. only a couple days to wait till the 7, so I got it. It looks pretty similar, but uh, yeah, the screen, you can tell, is, is, is much better. Yeah. Uh, a bit faster. Yeah. Is yep. it
0: and bigger it, than the 6? Uh, no, the 6 was
3: a pretty hefty phone. No, they're almost exactly the same. Uh, well, I, I had the Pro on both, so oh, okay, yeah, right. they're about the same size. <laughs> and yeah. and I, heard the,
1: I heard the cameras are much better on the
3: 7. Seven, yeah, the camera, I haven't even played with this a whole bunch of new modes, like um, uh, uh, motion and stuff like that, which I haven't even played with, but look pretty cool. Uh, yeah, nice. Like you can, you can follow somebody and it, it'll blur the motion in the background. You can do all kinds of uh, crazy photo stuff.
1: And you can do that cool thing where you can cut people out of the background that sort yeah. photo bomb you. photo-bomb <laughs> you. Yeah. <Yeah>, that's
3: right. <laughs> Live editing We've come me. a long way since red-eye correction. Yep. Did, you, did you get the watch as well? No. <laughs> Which is interesting. There's some stuff around whether or not it's got Fitbit gear in it and if it's competing with Fitbits. I don't know what they're. Well, Google bought Fitbit. Well, Well, they did. did It's
1: actually listed on the Fitbit site. Is it? But I don't
3: know if it's using the same componentry or not. I didn't. I haven't looked into that. I I saw an article about it being potentially competitive to some of the some of the higher end Fitbits. So I'm not sure how they're gonna. Or if they're going to transition branding and stuff like that. So.
2: Yeah, I think that's the long-term plan right. to actually merge the two together. Because you got you got the um, you know the health app, the, yeah. the, the health monitoring app, and yeah. the Fitbit app. But and they've got the same data, and just put the two together. The Fitbit just, apps just get much it. better though. It's, oh yeah, of course. Really yeah, mm.
3: yeah. I use that all the time.
0: Yeah, it's um, the Pixel Watch is something that I'm, I'm very interested in, but I just I don't know if I'm going to be ready for a Gen One product. Mm. Like, well, and obviously they're, they're, they're chasing the, the Apple Watch, right? Like, it's clearly the market leader. So I'm looking forward to them seeing like, you know, make up that ground because I'm not stepping mm. into Apple's ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, well, no. We, saw, we saw a prototype of it when we were down in Sydney for Google On Air. Uh, one of the Googlers had one of the prototypes there that they were testing out, and they look really cool. Mm. They yep. do
2: look good, yeah. Mm. Yep.
1: I had a bit of a misadventure over the weekend, oh, over the week. Was, yes. I was uh, uh, working on a client site, and we were, um, we were deploying a large number of, um, of GKE namespaces, each with their own uh, Let's Encrypt certificate, and we ran out of provision quota. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, as it turns out, you're only allowed to provision 50 certificates it's, a week. Oh,
3: interesting.
1: I mean, uh, d- yeah, only fifty a week. Come on, like, <laughs> well, we've got one hundred and seventy-two sites to move. So yeah,
3: yeah. this is Let's Encrypt. Yeah, yeah. Alright, Yeah, can isn't there like a, is there a paid option for? Nope. Really?
1: You no. can get your
0: quota bumped, but it takes a while.
1: Okay. No, no. We, we tried that. They came back and said we don't meet the quite you know, the criteria for it. Oh. So oh. we literally migrated everyone over a single night to a wildcard. Yeah. Right.
4: Yeah. yeah. Nice. Could
1: yeah. you rotate accounts? No, it's too much effort because it's all automated through pipelines. So it's just too much effort to yep. sort of rotate different accounts for different um, certificates.
3: One of our projects did something like that, though, of project training, uh, chaining in to, to get over a quota limit. Probably shouldn't be talking about that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it is one way to uh, yeah, to, to, to get over quotas. It's not it's a bit complicated, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah,
1: it, was, it, it was interesting because I had to try and figure out how to apply the wildcard certificate to every site. Mm. But normally, you in GKE, you'd apply it at the ingress, and and it'd it all just work. Mm. But um, I found because we were using nginx ingress controller, you can actually apply a default certificate at the ingress controller, which is the wildcard. So yeah. you don't have to specify the secret name in the ingress.
2: Mm. Oh, nice. Okay.
1: Yeah. So just it just made it, it just uses that. Yeah. yeah it default, made it simple. Yeah.
2: Cool. Well, uh, I finally finished off my home server refresh. Um, So right now I have a 36 terabyte NAS, um, which has uh, two link aggregated links coming out of it, which is quite nice, quite speedy. Uh, One for NFS, one for Samba. It's like the front end. And uh, yeah, I've got a bunch of containers running and uh, set up a front end so that, you know, I can have some virtual servers to some machines inside I uh, got a got got some. I finally have figured out. Well, I knew how to do it, but I didn't know how to design it. What I was going to design, but I've got a nice uh, GSU tool rsync running now with my backups into Google Cloud. Very um, nice. For, yes, from oh. from a from a. I've even got an archive directory where, like, I can raw stuff up and just dump it in there, and it's just stuff I'm never going to use again, and that that gets pushed into an archive storage bucket. What uh,
3: um, yeah. What storage drives are you using? I've had terrible luck with the Seagate Barracudas, the two terabyte ones. Uh, yeah, so
2: they're, they're six they're six TB NAS drives, yeah. uh, Seagate NAS drives. Okay um yeah the the
3: green ones i've had problems with i've I've lost probably three in in two years yeah i lost data
0: on seagate barracudas where i had a mirror set and they both died in a couple of days of each other um well that's unlucky oh yeah you have to
2: i bought them over a few weeks in pairs from different vendors so they're (laughs) (laughs) spreading the batches. yeah, non-consecutive serial numbers. In, in yeah. Oh, yeah, so I, I, I learned that the there.
1: hard way building a um a server many 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 years ago for a for a construction company. I um I bought the all the chassis and everything and all the hard drives from the one vendor um on a single day, and all four of the hard drives failed within <laughs> a week. And
3: it's that's a Sunday. Friday afternoon batch. Yeah, that's <laughs> yep. a controller problem, probably just pushing out yeah, bad bad bits. Yep. Um, anyone using MDADM? There Anybody? Not for I'm, still, I, 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 I'm still. I'm for a long time. I'm still yeah. in MDADM. Can't get rid Ooh. of it. Yeah, that's <laughs> hardcore of it. It's like, like doing your yep. own IP tables. It's right. Well, this hey, is all. This what's is wrong all with Do- doing your own IP <laughs> tables well, <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess there's, there's a modern era, and then there's our, us dinosaurs. So,
2: I had ZFS before that, and that was okay. But uh, ButterFS is
4: the way
1: to go. Yep. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So on that note, I've been doing a um, WireGuard VPN with, oh, a, yeah. with a Raspberry Pi. Um, yeah. And so you'll probably be setting up some sort of like intrusion detection system, and I'm going to put some sort of filter in to kind of protect the kids and stuff from the local network. Yeah. yeah, But, um, yeah. but um, yeah, loving Wire, WireGuard. It's just so simple for VPN setup. WireGuard's
2: awesome. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, really good. can use that, uh, what is it, uh, pie hole?
4: Yeah, you I've got Pihole on mine. Yeah.
2: Pihole. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, so I'm running all yeah, that as really containers, good. so I can just spin up another container if I want to do, do any of that sort of stuff. Mm. In the pie? In the pie, yeah. In the pie, yeah,
2: yeah. <gasps> How far we've come, hey? How yeah. far
1: we've come.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the hardest part is, is actually just getting a Raspberry yeah, Pi Yeah, I was going to say, I've
1: <laughs> been looking at the micro um, uh, microboards now because you just can't get a Raspberry Pi for love nor money. Yeah. Mm. And so the Caters boards run a Raspbian image. And uh, they're compatible. They've got the 40-pin GPIO, Mm. and
0: they're readily available. Yeah, nice. I've got some twos and threes I can sell you, if you like. Be worth more than you paid for them now. (laughs) Yep. I mean, I managed to get, uh, like, I just bought a Raspberry Pi 4, but the one gig ones are the only ones I can get, Mm. right? If you want to go to, like, four or eight, the hen's teeth. Like, you pretty much, you have to buy, like, whole kits, Mm. Even if you just want things, so you're not paying like three hundred and eighty bucks for what's a sixty dollar part. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Linux, you hear
2: that H two six four is going away, and uh, Linus Torvalds contemplating removing i 486 code from the kernel as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Fedora announced um, just a couple of weeks ago that uh, that they are removing Messer's, um H two six four. From the yep. OS, uh, because the patent holder now requires that open source projects pay a license. But
2: uh, only up to 100,000 installs, though, which I guess Red Hat is way past anyway.
1: Yeah, be, be yep. miles past it. Yeah. And it was, it was like, it was up to $97 million is the, the limit on what they have to pay. Yeah, right, like, up to a maximum, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. For a codec.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. So there, there's an open codec out there that you can use to implement H.264, yep. and it is royalty free.
2: A A one, I think. There's what's called A
4: A1, uh, like A1 or AV1, A one, that.
2: A one or AV one, something. AV one, that's it. Yeah,
4: I was going to say it sounds like an opportunity.
2: Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, it's been worked on. It's been worked on. And uh, yeah, I mean the i forty the i four eight six code going away uh, I don't know. I don't know. Look, is anyone really using i four eight six anymore? I maybe would, industrial controllers, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Potentially, yeah.
1: I mean, that, that's pretty old gear. I, I would posit that not many of them would be using it, and those who are probably aren't upgrading their OS anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
0: because yeah. on, on some of that stuff you can't, right? You're locked mm-hmm. in the way, way it is, yeah. You'd imagine that the things that out there that are still running it are probably mission-critical systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was thinking are NASA probably
4: in? using a couple. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. Power Grid. Power Grid's probably all running
3: Power grid stuff, yeah. Yeah. Half of (laughs) defence.
1: No, no, no. They did a tech refresh not that long ago. (laughs) I get the defence news. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. All
2: right, well, let's move on. Enough of the band for the moment. Um, Now, Rick, uh, we've got you on the show today because we're going to talk about some uh, security-related news later. There's been some some major incidents happening in the Australian IT space recently. But um, since it is your first time on the show, and as is customary, you have to tell us a horror story. Uh, it can be, it can be about uh, you know, someone you've worked with, or a bit of self-deprecation is always fun. Have you got anything to share
4: with us? Yes, yes, I've come prepared. I knew this was, <laughs> okay, I knew, I knew yeah. this was coming. Um, <laughs> All right, it's
0: a safe space. There's nobody listening. It's just us.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, I would like to share with you the time I deleted sales data from a server. Not so long ago, I worked as a solutions architect for a startup, and the founder of this startup also owned a few hardware retail shops, and part of my contract was also being the go-to systems admin supporting the retail operations. Uh, They were fairly modern in that they used Office 365, but they heavily relied on an old legacy Visual Basic application for the inventory and point of sale. I tried to avoid touching it at all costs, so I wasn't really familiar with its inner workings. But one day, I was tasked with setting up a new server for this application. I'd mapped the network drives, copied across the current server folder to the new PC. Um, But of course, there was an issue with the setup process. So I thought I'd best start from scratch. I proceeded to delete what I thought was the newly copied folder, but I hadn't properly checked what directory I was in. And I deleted, in fact, the server folder. Um, I was thinking this is taking longer than expected and then Mm. panicked and then panic set in <laughs> when I realized I deleted the application server data. Um, by Oops. the by, the time I ended the process, it had deleted about a third of the data. And being a VB application and the way it was designed, it relied a lot on different sim-linked flat files. So there was no central DB storage of any kind. So by deleting just a few files, I managed to corrupt many others. Mm. Um, yeah. Nope. Yeah, no backup had been done for three days. So lost three days' worth of transactions, quotes, um, and the shops couldn't process card payments until the issue was resolved. Um, data had to be restored from paper trail by interviewing staff and CCTV. Um, oh,
0: wow. See, uh, yeah. So not, that sounds horrible, uh, dude.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not- only
0: three days at least. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, it took a little bit for them to recover. Um, but so it's normally up to the staff to do a backup to their local PC at the end of the day. Um, it doesn't have the best backup sort of situation. It's more like at the end of the day, when you close the application, it, it prompts you to do a backup. But because it takes so long and in it's incumbentism, most people just skip it. So, yeah. but yeah, lesson mm-hmm. learned. Well, because I was just installing client software, I didn't think that I'd need to worry about doing a server backup, but, yeah, less than that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Always have a backup before you set off down the path, right, or anything like that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Mm. I, I learned one. that one the hard way on Cisco switches. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, okay. You, you got one for us, scene? Yeah, give us, oh, give us a quick so, one. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so really
1: quick one. Uh, configuring a Cisco switch one day, uh, put a new um, config into it, that I had very carefully planned out on a text file uh, a day before and uh, pasted the text file into it and it bricked the device and I didn't have a backup of it, so I had to restore it from scratch.
0: You mean your notepad IDE didn't pick up the problem? (laughs) No.
1: No, no, it didn't. Mm. In my defense, though, I'd done that like 50 times before on data center switches and all the rest of them and I just mucked something up on this one. Still don't know what I broke.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And, and that's the real and, – and thinking of Rick's story, you know, if you if you run a dangerous command and it doesn't return, it's probably doing bad things. Yes. <laughs> it starts sweating immediately. Control
2: C, control i yeah. uh, yeah. uh, I've got a similar one, but I'm going to shave it for another show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. Um, we are going to get to uh, a bunch of new stories in a minute and particularly around next, but I just want to first kick off by saying um, – Kasner is offering a bunch of free training. Um, We're doing a thing called uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to Google Cloud. Uh, It's on Thursday, the 17th of November in the evening. Um, I'll put a link, oh, sorry, during the day. I'll put a link in the show notes, but um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to Google Cloud is a place uh, to gain hands-on experience and learning more about making the transition to Google Cloud. Uh, it's a one-day, action-packed, intensive hand-on training is designed to build your extensive experience in AWS, Azure, or even non-cloud-related tech experience. Um, yeah, so it's open. You can you can come register. That's being held in Sydney uh, at the Mantle Group office um, at, uh, in Sydney. And uh, it yeah, sounds
3: like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's in person. And I think the big difference with it is it's actually delivered by uh, practitioners. So each modules delivered by somebody who's actually you know in customers doing data or doing doing foundations and networking and stuff. So yeah, it's um it's usually pretty pretty good. It's not just one instructor and then there's labs and stuff. So usually pretty pretty good. Um, is
2: this the stuff. first time we're doing this? No, this is like the sure. third
3: The third time, the third it, time. is it? Okay, yeah. 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 We have been largely virtual, obviously you know through the COVID period but uh yeah this one's going to be more in person we'll do a melbourne one soon too yeah That's I mean, so good right. having
0: people who are like actually have been at yeah. the coalface exactly. right you got yep. the, yeah. the real experience like this is what the training says this is yep. what it really is <laughs> yeah that's it
2: that's it that's it that's right so i'll put a link in the show notes it'll just take you straight to the registration page All right, well, let's get on with the big news that's happened during the last fortnight, uh, and that's all the hacks that seem to be happening. We, obviously, we had the Optus um, air quotes hack um, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, come on, open API, open unauthentic API. I mean, rookie mistake, and, and uh, Dave and I had a bit of a, a chat about that a few weeks ago. But since then, uh, we've had Medibank Private uh, fall foul of a cyber attack, And we've brought Rick on the show, who is part of our internal security domain, and he's going to give us all the skinny and the lowdown on exactly where we are and what we know about the Medibank private hack up to this point. So, Rick, what can you tell us?
4: Yes, um, another week, another major hack. Um, So with Medibank, so what happened was on the 3rd of October, Medibank had said it taken offline, the data and policy systems of its budget provider ahm and its international student division after a cyber incident the next day the company announced it had restored systems and said it was still responding to the incident the situation developed on wednesday the 19th when medibank disclosed to the australian stock exchange that hackers had contacted the company to negotiate over the future of 200 gigabytes worth of customer data Um, The public learned the scale of the breach on the 20th as the Australian Signals Directorate and Australian Federal Police started to investigate. Now, Medibank initially claimed there was no evidence that customer data had been accessed and then later stated only international student data was taken. But it has now come to light. The company has received files from the hackers that include main brand customers, widening the range of those potentially affected to 3.9 million. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow. yeah, wow.
2: So, <laughs> that, that announcement was made yesterday, was it? They said yes. um, that all
4: their, all their brands and all their clients are affected? That's correct, yes. They, the information includes names, addresses, dates of birth, Medicare numbers, phone numbers, Medical claims data, now this is the big one, um, mm. including information about diagnosis, procedures, and the location of medical services. So this is significantly far worse than Optus, as far as a breach mm. is concerned,
0: because, like, pilot, healthcare information, but, right? It's exactly, not
2: and the guys that have done this sound like legit hackers i mean the guy that's done the optus one is, was it was just by happenstance i think that he got it and then when the heat got on and he said oh as i'm walking away from it yeah mm. these guys are legit these guys yes. want
4: their payout so mm. in the op, in the optus hack um it was the hack like people could see what the hacker was talking about and like he was talking explaining about the hack and everything like that in the public forum this one there's no public information the hacker's just negotiating directly with medibank yep. and and that yep. that's it um obviously they thought they were bluffing but i think what needs to be learnt here is probably how not to deal with an incident um if anything mm. to be learnt from optus and medibank um like i guess don't really say that nothing's been compromised if you don't actually know yeah
0: um, so yeah I think there's also been uh, some other things in terms of the messaging of like who has been told and when Um, like I saw that a lot of the notification that, that data was genuinely breached that went to like a shareholder notification before it went to any customers. Mm. Correct. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Wow. Yep.
1: Yep. And the the scary part for me, I think is the the medical data that's been released or that's been taken as part of that, like that, that sort of information is, mm. is identifiable. It's, it's bad.
3: Yeah. Yep.
2: Um, I mean, what, what, what's the worst that could happen with that information? I'm sure there's going to be plenty of
0: creative things that, that they could come up with, um, I don't know. Well, okay. So, think if I've got your name, phone number, address, of course, date of birth. It's identity theft, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yep. So that that's one part. Yep. But if yep. I also know that you have had treatment for, I don't know. Say, for example, like uh, psychiatry, right? And mm. I get the locations, so I know now your psychiatrist, and I've got details about you. Mm. Like yep. the, yep. Would, they, they, would they also hold
3: hundred points? So that's correct. Uh, yeah. Pass, so, passports yep. and yeah. Yep.
4: They've got a hundred points plus the medical data. Wow.
3: Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah oh, Cause wow. they'll have the
1: Medicare card as well. Mm. They do. Yeah. Mm. And dri- yeah. and
4: driver's license. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. And credit card. I think that's all you need. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And yep. they didn't have cyber insurance. I oh, yeah. The, uh, the other thing. That's right. Gone.
2: So, I mean, I, I, w- what we're hearing at the moment is that they're probably going to have to pay the ransom. I oh, mean, what, is, is, do we know how much I, that is? I don't know if they've disclosed it. No, probably not. But I, 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 it seems like there's no other way out of it at the moment. Well, the- they can do all the investigation that they want, but if I mean, if these if these actors are overseas and they've got the data locked up somewhere. What can you do about it I think we're going to see a lot more legislation coming out yeah if anything, yeah, that's going yeah. To do we Rick, do we know about the fallout at the moment what's going to what the fallout's going to be
4: um no so but there is actually legislation that's also been just recently pushed through um hmm. so the companies now are looking at fifty million dollar uh fines for for breaches of this sort of nature, so the fines are going to be fairly big, but then I was just thinking like what if the Government gets breached, do they find themselves? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, mate, you can't do that. <laughs> so, like, probably yes, right? It'd probably be like our department gets fined by another department. It's a money go round, but yeah. yeah. Money go round thing. It all goes to the ATO. Mm.
3: Yep. Yep. But yeah. But yeah, um,
1: yeah. I, I thought I saw this morning uh, a, an article about the government has um, enacted some sort of emergency legislation. Uh, to deal with the Medibank hack, All right. Uh I right. don't know have the details on it because I don't have it in front of me. But um, but yeah, and the the fallout they reckon, uh, various news sources are saying it could cost Medibank um just in the hack alone thirty five mil to mm. to pay out the hackers. Uh, but they reckon it could be ten times that at least for damages. To- Damages for and and lawsuits against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Wow. Yeah. So with yeah. with the Optus hack, um, the government actually built Optus for the like having to re- reissue drivers' licenses. So it looks like that might even have to be done again. I, yep. I spoke to a colleague yesterday, and unfortunately, she's caught the double whammy. She was with Optus and Medibank, so I think there's a lot of people that are probably like her. Yep. So yeah, Pretty
0: pissed off. Yep. Yeah. I mean, own- especially because they hold that data for so long. Um, mm. You know, I think they were holding it for like seven years. So you might have been with them in, you know, 2016 and you've moved to another health fund. Doesn't matter. Doesn't gotcha. matter.
1: That, yep. Yeah. Yep. So my little yeah. brother's with AHM. And uh, and yesterday we actually ended up getting the dreaded Optus letter as well. <laughs> uh. So he's had the double whammy too.
3: Yeah. Yep. The government did something with the passports. They said that... you. For the optus one anyway, you didn't need to reget your passports, so they must be flagging them on the way out that if if it was part of the breach potentially so I'd wonder if they're going to do okay. the same thing here because like reissuing you know three million passports is pretty much impossible mm. that's
0: no mean feat i I think that this whole Um, on the, like a hundred points of ID thing though, it also demonstrates how like things like driver's licenses, passport numbers, they, they're terrible ways of actually enforcing and proving your identity. Now, like if you were designing a system today, you wouldn't use that. Um, and so maybe that's something that will come out Mm. of this. Like maybe, um... More you like using like a myGov ID or something something yeah. more yeah. like that, um, as opposed to well, using method, some other
2: device. It's a method from a bygone era, right? Okay. I mean, yeah. it, it worked fine, you know, mid twentieth century. But I mean, it's it's, it's here we are, twenty first century. We don't do the the systems aren't compatible. That don't work like that yeah. anymore, right? But
1: the the thing I've got about the the whole using a myGov ID, and I, I think it's it's probably the best solution for the problem at the moment. But then it points; it puts all of your information in government hands. And what if what happens when
4: they get hacked?
3: Well, I think there's got to be some blockchain somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah,
4: Possib- possibly. It does need to be. Yeah, but blockchains can sometimes be transparent, and I guess we don't want this sort of data <laughs> yeah. on an open blockchain. So once we go to our permissions-based blockchain, then we're pretty much having a central source anyway.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
4: Um so I just wanted to also wanted to talk about like there was also reports of how this attack happened. Um so some of the articles are pointing to a compromised user account or a fake account. Like I haven't been able to find the actual direct source, but there's quite a few uh, media outlets that are reporting this. And yeah, so I just wanted to highlight um like how much damage one user can do. Mm. Um and how I think how it's important, I think yeah, have, Having like a least privileged sort of like policy in place.
2: So, so do, do we know if it was like an internal thing, or was it a socially engineered thing, or with, around that account?
4: Do not, do not know. Um, some, I think the Australian Financial Review mentioned about about a user account being being compromised. Yep. Um, yep. But I couldn't find a source for the source. If you know what I mean.
2: Yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. Well, we'll keep track of it over the next few weeks, and when we know a bit more, Rick, we'll get you back on. Sure. Cool. Um, all right, well, um, that's where we are with the hacks at the moment, so we might we might move on. Um, we had Google Next happen in the last fortnight, and boy, oh boy, a lot of stuff came out of Google Next, and I honestly haven't had a chance to go back and see all of it yet. But um, I did see the, uh, the opening, uh, the, the launch uh, speak, talks, and I was quite personally surprised to see ANZ Bank get a mention in there, which is mm. fantastic. Of course, we've had involvement with that, and uh, I don't think it's any secret. Um, and yeah, up, up there with some of the big players, and it was fantastic to see that mention. But um, we thought we'd each go through um, a couple of things that sort of piqued our interest around some of the tech that came out of there. And look, I think... Some of the stuff was new. Some of the stuff we talked about on the show before and it was kind of a summary of what had happened in the last 12 months. But um, it, we'll just go through and, and tell you some things that we, we, we liked about it. Now, I, uh, I immediately grabbed onto this C3 VMs thing, um, C3 CPUs that are coming out. And what, what we're seeing is... The new C3 machine series powered by fourth-gen Intel Xeon scalable processors. Now, these are fantastic. You've also, they're also launching them with this uh, Intel custom IPU, which I think we vaguely
0: touched on a similar sort of thing for GCVE the other week, Dave. Uh, um, yeah, so it's like an actual dedicated uh, chip that does a lot of like network and storage offloading from the CPU. That's right, to-
2: Custom ASIC, yeah, that's right, it yeah. uploads it. Um, yeah, so the C3 CPU and IPU, currently in private preview, um, as we said, it uses the 4th gen uh, Xeon. Um, the IPU is an ASIC, um, and it it gives you uh, up to 200 gig. Yeah, I saw that, 200 gigabits per second throughput. Um, and using C3 can instantly deliver up to 20% performance gain over the previous C2 when you use it with the IPU.
0: Mm. I think they're like heavily targeting these, uh, and alongside Hyperdisk, Hyperdisk, Hyperdisk. <laughs> um, <laughs> for uh, for DB workloads, like it's DB just, workloads. Yeah. yeah, do you think SAP really slick? And
2: you can bet that they're probably using this under the hood for a lot of the other services that they provide as well. Mm. I mean, why not use Customasic if you've got it there, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, C3 machines. And the other thing that was sort of interesting was uh, they made an announcement of new features in GCVE. Now, some of these we, we've covered off before, but uh, there's a list. There's a list of things. Um, of course, uh, <laughs> there's the uh, VMware Cloud Universal subscription. We know about that. We had to mention that on the show. Um, the preview of automation with Google Cloud API and CLI support. Now, yeah. this is what we're waiting for. Very excited be, about yep, that. This would be awesome yeah. once we, we get this.
0: We yep. had an opportunity to do some of the private preview of that um, mm. and doing feedback. So that was, that was really cool. And it's great to see that service evolving.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, advanced migration capabilities mm. with the VMware HX Enterprise features. So they're including the Enterprise license now. Whereas before you had to request the upgrade, and now you're just getting a bog standard. Uh, custom core counts to optimize
0: application licensing costs. Custom core counts. I mean. Yeah, it's heavily if yeah. you're, especially if you're doing like uh, Oracle, right? So you yeah. might want to use GCP, but you really yeah. only want like four cores.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Pay, pay an arm and leg for yeah. it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, the, the, hardware, the hardware underneath still stays the same. It's just, it just reduces the number of cores available to,
0: to ESX. What you're presented with, yeah.
4: So, in, yeah. so, in essence, it'll reduce the licenses that you need. Yeah, yes. 100%. Yeah. They mask That's off the, the
0: CPUs yeah. in the BIOS, basically. So, it mm-hmm. presents, like, a lower core count. Uh,
2: the service has been expanded. It's available in Zurich, uh, with additional regions planned in Asia, Europe, and South America. Good to see it gaining popularity. Uh, now this next one's interesting. Traffic director and Google Cloud VMware engine integration for scaling web services and linking native G C P load Balancers and G C V E backends.
0: Yeah, this is gonna be an awesome solution. Um, looking forward to actually getting my hands on with it and, and giving it a uh, yeah, trying it out in anger.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks really cool. So so for the benefit of the listeners, the way If you want to egress to the internet now, you've kind of got this, well, I don't want to use the word janky, but it's just kind of set up where you you go out via the VMware engine and you directly have an external IP address there. But using this new traffic director, you can create a hybrid uh, backend inside VMware and link the front end load balancer directly into uh, VMware and then have your traffic ingress and egress through that path. So you get all the balance benefits of the load balancer. So, you know you get your cloud armor. Um, you can you can use you could probably use things like IAP, um, all mm. those features that you have on the front end. Mm. Sorry, Dan, you were going to But say,
1: it also yeah. it also adds another feature to it in that GCV is used as a lift and shift in order to to mm. to modernise your infrastructure. So so it also adds the ability to let's say you're going to containerize everything, you move everything off. Um, a VM and you put it into a container, and then instead of having to deploy a new load balancer, whatever, you just point the back end to GKE instead of GCVE.
0: 100% mm-hmm. right. It cuts oh, out yeah. a migration step. Um, yep. Yeah. Real yeah. Slick. You've
2: already got that in place. You've got all that front end in place. Just move your workload. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Nice. Um, Dell PowerScale for GCVE is now available. Um, so you can mount. I mean, you've kind of been able to do this already. I, I'm a bit confused by this one. I know it's it's Dell PowerScale, and you might be comfortable with Dell PowerScale, but um, being able to mount NFS, Samba, and HDFS f- internally from VMs, we've been able to do that already, just not on Dell PowerScale. Well, yeah,
0: so you were able to do it with, uh, with NetApp CVS. NetApp. Um, NetApp, yeah. And this is an additional um, solution that's now available as well.
2: Right. And of course, you could always roll your own as well. I guess you could roll your own storage with blocks yep, and block could, storage. Yeah. 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 Um, so now you can do it with Pascal. Cool. Uh, and the previous support of 96 node private clusters. Oh, that's a monster. 96 <laughs> yeah. nodes, stretch clusters, and roadmap inclusion of additional compliance certifications. Now, Dave, I know you want to say something about stretch clusters. Love me some stretch <laughs> clusters,
0: <laughs> right? It's, it's a really awesome uh solution and once this gets uh into you know full ga in uh, mm. in gcve like it's gonna be awesome Like right? just having the ability to have a whole zone fail over to the other side like hands free right it's mm, like yeah. in your data center it's like oh, i just lost yeah. a rack of service it's fine though i'll come up the other side so what's
2: just for everyone listening what's the architecture look like with a stretch cluster
0: so, you'd have basically a set of nodes, like a vSAN cluster. Um, it, it is literally stretched, right? So, say you had normally, you might have had like six nodes. If you think in terms of like an on-prem thing, right? You might have had like six nodes spread over like two racks in a, in a server room. Um, you're basically taking like three of those nodes and putting them in another data center. Um, oh, with just a high-speed cool. link between. Um, you yep. still get fully synchronous replication. So, you get your dual-phase um, haste uh, right uh, yeah. and um yeah and when you're working
2: on vsphere it's totally transparent you yeah. kind of j- just wouldn't know yeah
0: yeah you just uh you lose you know what you lose a zone you lose all the hosts there then hadrs goes oh those vms are down i better bring them up so cool and the
3: subnet stretched as well right Correct, yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah. a layer yeah. 2 straight across all right yeah so yeah, M- it's free. mac yep. mac addresses are getting published yep. to the cloud They all will move over, over. Yeah. yep
1: okay. yep mm. Yeah, But if you're you're going to deploy 96 nodes, probably talk to your CE about getting a discount. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Just a pro tip.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, that's that's what grabbed my interest. Um, Dave, I think you had an item there you want to talk about.
0: Yeah. So, the one that really stood out to me, and I I think it's probably because my partner is in marketing and and kind of deals with this problem. Um, It's their Translation AI Hub. Right. So this is really slick, right? So if you think about what the use case is targeting is is for businesses that they need to translate their documentation or their I don't know, case studies, whatever it is, into multiple languages. And you either currently you find somebody internal who hopefully, you know, speaks that language and also, you know, your native language, and you get them to do it, and that's always a pain. Um, especially because you'd be like, Oh, I need to get uh you know, Bob in IT, because he speaks that other language, but he doesn't want to do marketing work. He doesn't do this <laughs> translation for you. Um, or you pay a company to do it. Or, like what a lot of people do, is they they copy and paste blocks of text and they throw it into, like, Google Translate. And they, <laughs> they do it themselves that way, right? So, what this Translation AI Hub does is it gives you a portal where you can upload a document and it can be like a pdf it can be a docx a pptx as well as google docs and slides and it will batch do all the language translations for you in like well over a 100 languages you choose the ones you want but it'll it does it for you and like on top of that it not only just will give you like the powerpoint back um it maintains uh, the format, right? Keeps, it keeps the format, right? It doesn't yeah, just yeah. take the text. You don't have to go in and pull the text out. keeps yeah. the format, and it's editable. So if you look at it and go, like, say it's translated a uh, bit of domain-specific knowledge, uh, language, like, a, I don't know, a, a, device, a part number or a machine, some sort of technical information, um, you can go in there and you can edit that. And on top of that, if you, like, correct some of those translations, it saves that into memory, so, the next time it's doing translations, like, that oh, build out, yeah. um, like, domain-specific knowledge. So, that, re- that knowledge, trains the model, it retrains the model. Yeah, yeah it is nice. so yeah. slick, and you pay just on a per page. So, like, the, the basic version of it is about $0.15 cents or US cents per page. Uh, the advanced one, which is currently in preview, um, is, like, $0.50 cents a page, which, compared to what that would cost you to do that translation yourself, and it won't be as good. Like, yeah. It's a bargain, to, right? Yeah, it's to just like
2: you get to pay for a translator to do that and a translation service could cost you a lot more for sure. Yeah.
0: And uh, so when I watched the presentation on this, I like turned around and <laughs> grabbed my partner and said, You need to watch this with me because I know you deal with this problem and this is it's to get a revolutionize, yeah. Um, because yep. they have the issue like they're they're a Australian based business, they need to translate their stuff to like, um, they've, they've got Contacts in, like, New Caledonia and South Africa and Indonesia and yeah, China. They need to translate in all these languages. Now they've got a way.
2: Aren't they on Office 365, though? <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are. But you can use
0: DocX and PPTX, so it's oh, fine. Oh, you can't, That's Right? <laughs>
2: you, um, use, use this as, like, you know, the thin of
0: the yeah, wedge. Right. Just, just a, yeah, this is the entry, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have to refer them across to yeah, uh, our yeah. <laughs>
1: I um I saw a a a demo of AI. So last month we ran GDG Cloud Brisbane um at uh, at our office at the Metal Group office in Brisbane, and Mm. um, and we had Andy from Google come in and he actually showed us the AI ML stuff. And one of the really cool things I saw there was the ability in Google Lens for you to hold your phone up to a sign that's written in another language, and Google will actually color out the color out the sign and put in the English translation of what is on that sign there yeah, in live, real time. Live
0: translation, yeah.
1: Live yeah. translation. It is so cool. That's ridiculous. Really cool. Yep.
0: Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, so that was the thing that I was, like, most excited about. There was also some other really cool stuff in Workspace that sort of talked as Pipeline <sighs> stuff, but uh, this was the one that really, uh, really shouted at me. <laughs> really grabbed you, yeah. Yeah. All
2: right, well, look, uh, speaking of community news. uh Ian, uh, you, you dug into a few community news items.
1: Yeah, so look, I, I, I watched a fair bit of, um, of Google Next. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me uh, was the um, dev, uh, sorry, the developer keynote uh, that was delivered by um, Ashley Willis, So she's the head of developer communities at Google. Yeah, I watched this too. It yeah. stood, jumped out at me, yeah. Yeah, so this is all about burnout. And I've done it. I, I think I'm at uh, three now. Um mm. a count of three. Uh, and the last one that I had was sort of like a week laying on a couch not being able to deal with anything. Like a mobile phone would ring in my next yeah, door right. neighbor's place yeah. and Board- I just lost my plot.
2: But borderline nervous breakdown. Yeah, yeah, it was a hundred percent nervous breakdown. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um and it was really interesting the points that she brought out. So the whole talk was about um what happens during burnout, like the whole the phases that you go through in burnout being like getting a new job and you're really like, you're in that honeymoon phase. You're really enthusiastic. Your productivity is right up there. And then you start getting the stress and the neglect and, and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse, unless you pull yourself back and, Mm -hmm. and learn Mm -hmm. to do a little bit of self care and, Mm -hmm. and stop trying to multitask everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so she had some really, really good points and I encourage everyone to go and listen to this talk. Um, and certainly for managers out there, um, who are managing a team, go and listen to it because she's got some really good points at the end of the talk about how to identify your people that are starting to suffer from burnout and, uh, mm-hmm. and how to bring them back. I- I've had to do it at my last job. Uh, one of the young guys I had was just working himself into the ground and he wouldn't yep. tell me that he was working. And, uh, and it wasn't until... I caught him on a, a, I was watching his Twitch stream and he happened to mention how tired he was of just working 12 hour days uh, and I had no idea he was working that late.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: So that was, that was a Mm. really cool one to watch. Um, I think,
2: I think the trap is a lot of people, they go to a new workplace or they see a lot of things going on around them and they want to. Get involved with everything. They yeah. want to have a finger in every single pie, and that's just not possible. No, you you have to pick and choose where you want to go. And my personal strategy is just to pick, you know, a handful of things, one or two things, and and it's far more satisfying just to pick only a couple of things and go deeply on those things. Yeah. If you try and jump all over the place, you're you're only looking at each thing superficially. Uh, and it's just too much mental load coming in, trying to track everything like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I think there's a. I, th-
1: yeah. th- I think the thing that really surprised me a lot. Um, I've I've been there three or four times now. Um, yeah. I think the thing that surprised me the most was the recovery time that she quoted. Like, and this was mm. all. This is all um, sourced information, so she's got it all from medical um, places. But she said the average recovery time for burnout is two years.
0: Oh, wow. It's yeah. not just a long weekend's going to get you done yeah.
3: from that. No no. no, no, Was there anything about uh, sort of COVID and sort of this move to fully virtual often? And, and, and the, I, I, I sort of feel that, yeah, post-COVID that there, there's more burnout just because of, or different types of burnout, I suppose, because of the yeah. virtual meetings. that's all back to back now. But, yeah.
1: And, yeah, yeah. Well, I had I had a day of it yesterday. I had nine a.m. until two thirty in the afternoon. Which oh, meetings- which by the way,
2: I've mentioned this on the show before. You can enable a thing in Google Meet called uh, Speedy Meetings, mm. and what it'll do is mm. if you've got a th- if if you book a thirty minute meeting, it'll automatically make it twenty five meeting uh, twenty five minutes. Mm. So it'll put a break at the end. If you book a, any sixty minutes or more, it'll automatically put a ten minute. Break. You'll only book it for 50 minutes. Yeah, right. So that's really good to prevent that back-to-back-to-back-to-back to, back to, back to, back mm-hmm. back to give you five minutes to get up and go to the loo or grab a coffee or just have a little mental break outside. There's yeah. Also, yeah, I
3: highly recommend everyone turn that there's on. There's also focus time, uh, which will automatically yep. uh, respond uh, to your calendar invites without having to be like out of office or anything. So that's, that's pretty good rather than just block yeah. outs because people don't. Don't often uh, look at that. Yeah. Or if there are external yeah. meetings yeah. as well, right? Yeah. They just need to know I'm not available during these hours. I think, yeah, the,
1: nice. I think the thing that with COVID and coming out of COVID, I think the thing that I've heard a lot of is people are struggling with peopling. Yeah. Like that whole going back into the office and being surrounded by people and yeah. noise and all that. It's, yeah, it's yeah,
2: overwhelming yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, And I get yeah. it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah,
0: yeah completely. I was,
4: um, like, I was like that um, pre-COVID though.
2: Yeah.
0: But <laughs> so now we're all on the same plane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I, 100- well, I, I, I don't know how we could do what we're doing now in an office. I just don't think it, it'll work. We, yeah. we couldn't sit around with all the background noise and everything going on and, and create a podcast if we we're all sitting in offices. I just don't think it'll work.
1: No. No, mm-hmm. certainly couldn't in Brisbane because um, the Brisbane office meeting rooms are right below the, the upper floor. And so you yeah. hear people walking along the floor. Mm. Yep. No, so, yep. 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 Um, but the the other really cool thing, and I'm sorry, I have two, but the other really cool thing is um, Google's announced skills boost to the general public uh, now cool, includes yep. Innovators Plus, which is a really, really cool benefit. Um, it gives you credits on GCP. It gives you a whole heap of, um, of really, really cool benefits for um, uh, for using. Let me just find the page that I had up here. Here it is. Um, cool. So you get a welcome pack as part of Innovators Plus. Um, Can't put get, a price on that. Nope, no. Mine is due today. Uh, and, <laughs> and speaking of Fitbits, it comes with a Fitbit. Wow. Oh, uh, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get it's a Fitbit Charge Five, I think it is. But anyway, uh, you get five hundred dollars worth of Google Cloud credits. You get a certification voucher for um, applying to your next exam, oh. uh, which basically makes it free. Uh, you huh. get live learning events, and obviously, you get. Google Cloud Skills Boost, which is invaluable.
3: So, if you're a premier partner of Google's, do you get this as well? No, no, we don't. I already no. asked. Did you? This, <laughs> is,
1: this is on an individual. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. yeah so this yeah. costs money for most. Uh, yeah. For most people, um, I've been lucky enough to be uh, given the Google Cloud Innovators Champion mm-hmm. um, label. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say lucky, it.
0: right? You worked really hard yeah. to do yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So. <laughs> but
1: but lucky and to be chosen to do it. So, um, and so I get it.
0: I get it as part of that that benefit. Cool. I think the mm. other thing that was cool is so yeah, you get that uh, exam voucher, and then if you pass that exam, you get another five hundred dollars worth of cloud credits. Yeah. Right? So for your like ah. three hundred bucks a year, you get a thousand in credits and an exam voucher. Like, yeah. it Good costs deal. negative money. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, you got me considering that now. Hmm. And, okay.
1: And on your developer's profile in Google, you get a nice little badge that says Innovators oh, yeah, Plus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah,
2: excellent, excellent, nice. Although with the exchange rate at the moment, two ninety nine a year. <laughs> <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, I guess it's a d- deduction, tax deduction. Um. All right. Cool. Well, no, there's some really awesome uh, community items there, Ian. Um. Now, Troy. Um. This one grabbed me as well uh cloud workstations tell us all about that
3: yeah, so most of you probably or many are probably familiar with uh, cloud shell in the in the console you know you kick that off and behind it you know you just end up with a terminal you you've got a machine most people don't really realize sort of what's behind that. This is really um uh, google's effort to turn this into an enterprise service because it's often in an enterprise disabled because it's you know, pu- uses public i p s it's um uh you know, not really that secure. You're not going to have access to a lot of resources you need, uh, potentially on-prem, for example, in the enterprise. So this is a, a way of of spinning up uh, those cloud shells or developer environments uh, easily and and manageable with uh, with your own custom uh, container. So it, it runs a full container. I've I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I had a Pixel Book and was hoping to just you know synchronize my local container or even just use a container up in the cloud that had all my tool sets, had everything I needed, uh, my IDE, you know, my my super snazzy uh, Vim yep. setup. All my Vim. <laughs> Any important uh, files you needed, they're all it's, up. It's there. all yep. It's all up there yep. and you're just comfortable, right? Yep. But um uh you know with Cloud Shell it was a bit you could do this, but it was a lot trickier to have it there and ready to go. So with Cloud Workstations they allow you to spin up your own uh, GKE clusters that automatically shut down and spin up uh, these cloud workstations for you to then uh, have developers uh, running against. Now, this is also tied into what Rick's going to talk about with this new um, uh, software delivery uh, capability, uh, which gives you secure yep. coding sort of from end to end. So this is a, an idea around uh, life-cycling security all the way from the developer Typing in uh, code in a private workstation or cloud workstation uh, that has access to Artifactory and a lot of stuff on prem, let's say, and, and security tooling, all the way then to you know the the, the apps getting delivered on GKE in a, in production to yeah. customers. That full delivery software delivery chain. Um, yeah, so cloud workstations is part of that, and I'm pretty excited to start using them and rolling our own uh, containers even for Casna. So like you know newbies yeah. coming in. Here's your here's your cloud workstation that has got all the tools that we like in the way that we like and it's got our templates and um yeah uh, there's some some really and cool stuff And is it is it
2: is it giving you is it giving you a desktop or is it just a a, a command line it's similar to the console Mainly the
3: command line but it's 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 yep. for development IDEs. so you know GoLang mm-hmm. uh PyCharm IntelliJ uh yep. JetBrains all the all the the main IDEs running there, um, and it's a container containerized image. Um, so, yeah, I mean we're all we're all Linux developers, right? Anyway, so we wouldn't yeah. we wouldn't use a yeah. Windows desktop so, anyway. Then. No, no,
2: no, no, no. So similar to when you go to Cloud Shell. Uh,
3: the code editor in, 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 yeah, in Cloud, yeah, Shell. Exactly. Cloud Shell. yeah exactly Cloud Shell is yeah, yeah, yeah right yeah. So, yeah. The, so when you yeah. go into the code editor, uh, it, that's actually just running the IDE locally in your Cloud Shell on that container. Uh, and then yep. saving. Uh, and this gives you a lot of options around snapshotting as well, being able to move them, say, uh, between prod, non-prod, that sort of thing, but also being able to save it for, for later and using templating and uh, and then sharing that internally within your organization to, so that people can have this sort of base uh, image to then work off of. Uh, so I think for, right. for us, right. for our, like our development, sort of standard practices and best practices and tool sets uh, should be pretty fun.
1: And I, yeah. I like. Uh, so I've been. I, I'm using JetBrains Toolbox. Mm. Um, I, I get given a, a license for it as part of being a GDE. And I've been trialing all of the all the integrations these days. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um.
1: I've got a previewed uh, version of Fleet now, oh, yeah. and Fleet is really, really cool. Like the pair coding capability in Fleet is really good. Uh, one mm. of our, our fellow Casnians and I have been pair coding on the project that we're working on at the moment, mm. and um, it's still a preview. So there's some some issues there obviously uh, the biggest one I find is when you're pair coding the host of the pair coding session is giving out root access to their drive mm. which is obviously a problem but um, I'm sure JetBrains are gonna not fix if you that. do it in a container well that's right <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah the JetBrains tools are really cool and, to and use yeah
3: and JetBrains is featured pretty heavily in this as well so there's pretty tight integrations mm. that, that, that are coming up yeah yeah yeah
2: Cool. And uh, you said that integrated with Software Delivery Shield. Uh, Ricky, you, you gonna you had something to say about yeah,
4: that. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. So Google over the last year have been investing billions of dollars into security and um, developing more security operations and pretty much, yeah, end-to-end cycle. Um, they're now, they've been developing the components pretty much over the last uh, six months or so, and a couple of the components um, have been touched on in previous shows, and so one of the main things is yeah the cloud workstations as Troy talked about that's currently in preview, and so what they're pretty much doing is they're combining all lot of Google products and services and then implementing best practices and ad- adding on pretty much extra protection at almost at every layer. So a few of things that they're going to be having is um, assured OSS service, which basically means that. You only use images and packages that um, have been assured. And they're also doing a lot of um, scanning or vulnerabilities into like artifact registry and a lot of container analysis is is coming into it. And then they're building security features into into cloud build as well. So they're... All these different components they've now decided to package this as one complete sort of suite very similar to what they did in the data domain so now they're just grabbing all these components together and calling it yes your software delivery shield
0: Mm. yep it's so cool it's it's really great to see uh because like we touched on assured open source like a few times in the show like we're real keen to see that come through like it's open source but google's had a hand in it they've been uh these are the packages that they use Um mm. making that like stitching all of these tools together. Um and like the other thing, like you mentioned there with like cloud workstations, is it also helps move away from say like developers pulling code down onto their own machines. You can keep mm. that code in the workstation now. They don't have to keep a local copy of you know, mm. from the repo, right? It's yeah. It's it's not it just to be out in the wild. No, yeah. yeah. That's that's correct.
4: Yeah, so it makes sure that you're only using secure images and secure code. At all times.
0: Yep. Oh, I, can, I can, This is just—it's such a strong value proposition.
4: Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, and they yeah. also, and not on top of that, they're also adding on lots of um, extra monitoring and logging and stuff like that, and bringing that into like really nice dashboards, tying that into like your security um, command center, and 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 Chronicle as well, I guess, yeah.
3: If you yeah, think not. about the testing and security testing all the way in those cloud workstations, you know, make your rego for policies that you're writing that can live in that same repo and then through the build chain and then the deployment testing and deployment production, uh, you know, all all can be driven, you know, securely uh, and via this one ecosystem. So it's quite quite interesting.
2: Yeah, end-to-end end in the mm. cloud as well, right? It's yeah. not mm. – none of the, the data is leaving yeah, that space. Mm.
4: Yes. Yeah. So what I've actually currently been working on is that uh, one of the other components that they use is the on-demand scanning um, with the containers. So um, you can build this into Cloud Build. So you can set a, like, a severity rating um, based on that container. And if, if the, an image that you pull, pull into Cloud Build has a vulnerability, you can actually then fail that build. Or at least warn people if it's in dev and things like that, and say right, right. Fix. Yeah, that's
1: that's a that's a switch in um, artifact
0: registry now, which is really cool.
4: Yeah, yep, scan the
2: containers. Yep,
0: and I guess um, it would also be scanning. So you're obviously scanning at build time, but once those. Uh, you know, once the container image is in artifact registry, like, sure, there might be a vulnerability on your package today, but in a week's time, like, maybe you haven't made any code changes, you haven't updated versions, but, like, now I can say, this container now has vulnerability, but these have been identified. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so that's how it all ties
4: into Security Command Center, and it's always constantly scanning your artifact registry, and it um, compares it to, like, it, the CVE database. So the moment that, that
0: there's been a vulnerability found, it will alert you. I think from what I saw is that sometimes uh, with the vulnerability detection, it will also come and say like, yeah, and this is the fixed version of that. Like there's a known fix for this. Um, Yeah, that's correct, yeah.
2: All we need now is some AI to go in and apply the fix Mm -hmm. for you.
0: (laughs)
3: <laughs> we got AI, AI to write the code, so might as well. That's it, yeah. <laughs> well, well, well,
1: it's interesting because GitHub does that in... Well, it doesn't do it off the off the bat, but they send you... Copilot. A, yeah, yeah. No, 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 not even Copilot. So I've got a GitHub repo that's got a few public uh, repos in it. Yeah. And one of the things that it does is scans the repo for versions of Ruby gems that I've used that are um, have vulnerabilities. And then it yeah. suggests a fix for me. So... Yeah, I just I get this email every month or so and say, yep, approve. And it just goes in and does the commit.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah it looks for passwords and, and API keys and things as well.
4: Mm. So you could do some sort of AI. It's like it automatically knows what's the next. Um, normally, because we're dealing with, with containers, right? We're dealing with images. So it'll just, you could actually set AI to download the latest container image that has fixed that vulnerability. Generally, like a lot of the vulnerabilities happen within the base of the actual operating system within the container. So things like your Al- mm. Alpine Linux and stuff like that, or or if you're using Python as a base. Um so generally you could upgrade the base without actually affecting anything else.
0: Mm. At least you could have the, the mm. AI would see the fixed version. It could uh on a branch, you know, update it, run any tests for you, and if the, all the tests pass then it create a pull request for your for you to action. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, that's another thing I'm
0: actually currently working on. <laughs> nice. Hey, um Just uh quickly, Ian, you mentioned back to GitHub before. Mm. I learned a trick the other day which actually blew my mind. Like, if you're in a, a repo in GitHub that you own and mm. you press the full stop button, the period button, it opens up a VS Code instance. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? You can make changes yeah. right there, and you can, do, you can you edit it right, right there. Repo. I'm yeah.
1: in the repo right now. Let me try yeah. this. Press it, Full it, stop. Give it a go. This is- uh, <laughs> Oh, hang on. Setting up your web editor. Ah, there you go. Look at that. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: It was like, I, like last week I saw that. I was like, what? How? When? Why was what? no one going to tell me this?
1: <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool.
0: Looks like I don't need yeah. a local editor anymore. No, no. especially no. you think if you had to, um, you know, quickly just fix something, you don't have your own machine around, you could just sign on somewhere, log in, check your repo, quick yeah. change, yep. off you go. Yep.
1: Yeah, so I'm just having a look at mine because it. it this article reminded me of that, is uh, Dependabot. Dependabot, yeah. um, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. Dependabot, that's
2: yeah. the one. Yep, yep, yep.
1: Yes. All
2: right, cool. Thanks for that, Ricky. Um, so, yeah, some cool things coming out there with that... Uh, combination of workstation and software delivery shield. I'll put links in the show notes. Now, uh, since it is the first anniversary special and we've got everyone back together, it's been fantastic, guys. It's been real fun recording this. I thought we'd play a little game. Why not play a little game? And uh, I'm going to make you guys sweat it a little bit because I've I've got a couple of questions here for you guys. Now, these uh, questions, uh, this is... It was sort of a test run for something. I'm not going to go too much into what I want to do in the future, not on the show at the moment. But it is a test run for something I want to do next year, uh, and this is the kind of thing we'll, we'll be you'll be hearing from us next year. But uh, I want to see you guys sweat it out a little bit. I got a couple of questions here, and uh, what we're going to do, we're going to play a game here, uh, and and we come up with this name during the week. But I think a good name for it is Binary BS, and and the the idea is. I'm going to give you a question, and you have to tell me whether it's true or I false. I think it
3: should be it should Simple be Boolean. That. Boolean BS. Boolean yep. BS. Boolean, I like binary <laughs> BS. Come <laughs> and, on. And, and we're playing on <laughs>
1: my weak
0: point here. My memory sucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: if now, it's binary, I'll, we're only allowed to answer yeah, zero, zero, one, one. two. 0
4: yep. uh, yeah. yeah. Nice. So null can't be an answer.
2: no, Null, <laughs> null pointer. <laughs> All right. We like Boolean. Anyway, it, it, the, the name... Yeah, the names are work in progress. Put that way, <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, look. So I'm going to give you these questions um, now. The clue is the all these questions relate to previous episodes of the show or items that we have covered on the show before. Okay, so I will put them here in the chat now. I don't. Uh, we're gonna. I'm going to give you all the questions first, and then I will tell you the order that we're going to go in. So, question one. Uh, it is possible to suspend or resume a VM with an ACPI S3 signal. Have a think about that. Question number two Google Cloud was used to calculate Pi to 100 trillion digits, which required 551 terabytes of storage. Question number three Cloud Spanner now offers an SQL interface that supports post. SQL that is 100% compatible with Postgres. And question number four. uh, In financial year 2021, Google Cloud lost $3.1 billion over the entire year. So, Rick, since you're our guest, you can go first. One of these questions is false. Which one is it?
4: Um, I'm going to say... You can can go through each one if you like and, and... I know which ones are true. One and four, I'm not 100%. But I'm going to say number four is false.
2: Okay, so Rick is going with number four as being the fake. Okay, number four. So I'm making a note of that here. All right, then. Uh, Troy, mm-hmm. since you're our least yeah. ne- next least experienced, uh, which one do you think is the false? Well, I'm 100% sure of
1: three. Um, Ian's shaking
3: his head. You're not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading about
1: Cloud Spanner just yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so. okay. yeah,
3: I'm pretty sure that that, does ex- that is uh, supported now because we're using it at a customer site. Or, or i think maybe it's not a hundred percent i mean it, that's the thing these could be like little subtle drop in here <laughs> Things are, so the, well, i gotta make it tricky it, right <laughs> s3 signal sounds like it should be something that should be pass-throughable um theoretically i mean you've got uh, probably mini bi- uh, bios there right so i'd say yes um 551 terabytes 100 trillion digits i think you could just if I had time, I could do a calcul- quick calculator and you just get a gig. How many, <laughs> how many, how yeah, that many, right. how many digits? That's probably close. Uh, like I said, the Postgres support for Spanner, I know is there, but maybe not a hundred percent. And probably, yeah, it would be some small, but it's probably like 95%. And that's why Ian was shaking his head. And then the, just, just,
4: the <laughs> just a hint, just a hint, Troy. Number three, we went to a meetup about
3: this. Yeah. And.
4: <laughs> and do you remember? Have, have a think about um, what's Google's
3: the hundred, presentation? 100% compatible, though. I mean, I know, I mean, like I said, we're using it as a customer, but could I say that we're 100% compatible? That it's 100% compatible? That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. yeah I think that's so. I'm going go to uh, well, go number three. I'm sorry. I'm going to go number three. So, which one I'm are you going to go three? I think it's okay, that, right. 100% thrown in there is, is a bit of a giveaway. All right, Ian, which one? <laughs> Give me your reasons.
1: No, I remember reading yesterday, Cloud Spanner, I was reading all about Cloud Spanner yesterday um, just because of the client that we're working on at the moment who has 107,000 tables in MySQL and I'm trying to find a solution that doesn't require us to shard the, the databases. Um, and Cloud Spanner came up, but the, the migration to Cloud Spanner was going to be terrible.
2: All right. Well, ignoring that, what is your answer? Uh, well, threes. <laughs> Three is definitely wrong. Three.
0: All right. And Dave. So, um, yeah, these this caught me out a little bit because you're right. Like a bunch of them. It's like, this seems like it's true. My first read of am like, all oh, these are things are true. Where is the Where's the one? I'm pretty sure that, yeah, it's the Cloud Spanner one that's not 100% because I can remember us uh, that when there were some updates uh, that enabled using s3 uh, I think there was something that was changed um, I remember yeah the storage requirements on uh, the pie calculation because that was actually like a super fascinating article like the architecture they had to build out for that um, and yeah like our, our the 3.1 billion dollar loss that uh, that sounded about right like it's like yes losing money but less money <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, so three was was the one that I was gonna go with Three was the one. You were going All right, so we've got Rick uh, standing
2: alone there, number four, with the $3.1 billion over the entire year. Everyone else is saying, number three, uh, the Postgres SQL that is 100% compatible with Postgres. So we will go in order. So number one, uh, uh, question number one, is it possible to resume a, a VM instance with ACPI 3 signal? Uh, yes, it is. And of course, I'll put a link to the show notes to the article. Uh, this was a feature that was introduced in March uh, of this year, um, and you can put suspend and resume is now generally available. So, you, so your VM can send an ACPI signal and suspend and resume your workload. Jeez, was that really March? Handy. How fast this is That, was in, gone. March. <laughs> yep, that mm. was in March. Yep, that was in March. Uh, Number two, Google Cloud was used to calculate Pi to 100 trillion digits, and it beat the previous record. Uh, I'll link this in the show notes. Um, They calculated an additional 31.4 trillion on top of the previous record. Mm. Um, And uh, when was that? Uh, When did we talk about that? That was in June. Talked about that.
3: Um,
2: Quite an amazing feat. And number three, Google Cloud Spanner now offers SQL interface that supports Postgres SQL that is 100% compatible. Well, I think you guys figured it out. It is not 100% compatible. So this one is the fake. Um, it does. It is compatible with uh, SQL, but it doesn't support uh it doesn't support extensions triggers non-serialized isolation uh, stored stored procedures yeah 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 so uh yeah they're getting there and you can kind of understand why they don't support those special things i guess i'll get there in in the long run but but right now it's just uh you know the sql interface and that leaves the last question. Uh, in financial year twenty twenty one, Google Cloud lost three point one billion, and that is true. All right, guys. Well, look, that we might leave it there at the end of this show. Thanks for joining me today. It's been hey, awesome, thanks. guys.
3: Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Me. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, always like your insight, and Ricky. Thanks for joining us uh, on this on this special occasion. You might now become a. A member of the member of the yeah. crew, special insight of the crew. <laughs> oh
4: no, yeah, I think I've invested enough in this um, in this sound room, but it definitely needs a lot more work.
2: Oh yeah, we'll get there. Don't forget to go and write the show a review on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, Google Podcasts as well. Um, we also have Casner between two clouds. Now, oh, I haven't mentioned that one for a little while, but I think Troy, you guys yeah. need to get up there and create yeah, a few more videos on that, that we're one. Working on that. We just
3: got to get, just yeah, get on that one, uh, yeah. Simon back. In. He's, he's, he's a busy That's guy it. but yeah there, there's a lot of demand for between two clouds and uh you know a bit of hilarity and a few beers for sure yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and oh, yeah, next time i'm down
2: in melbourne maybe we can do something we'll see
3: well we should yeah we need more um yeah, yeah. when you're in melbourne let's do that for sure or we'll come up to sydney and do, that.
2: and do a couple episodes
3: up there with you guys
2: shoot yeah. something up here yep and uh, don't forget, you can contact the show, gcplife at gcplifeatcasman.com. We've got the Twitter there as well, at gcplife. Uh, I cross-post this uh, when these shows come out onto my LinkedIn. That's uh, Stephen Bancroft. You can find us on the website. It looks all nice and snazzy now. Oh, and Did I tell you that the whole RSS feed's running now on some code, some Python code nice. that I created? Yes. yes. I'm going to put that in a repo. I'll make it public too because I know there's a few other podcasters out there that would appreciate that as well. Yeah. Uh, and don't forget, today's sponsor is Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I think that's about enough from me. Anything else from you guys? Ian, you can't shake your head. It's a, it's yeah, an auditory yeah, thing, right?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you said it best when you say nothing at all. <laughs> yep, We'll be here forever. I think we've gas bagged enough for the days. That's it from us, guys. See you later. Bye. Catch
0: you later. Bye. See ya.
1: I remember reading the article and I pulled it up in my history.
3: Hang on, you're not supposed to Google these. Oh, you're using your history. Yeah, you can't. Don't Google it.
2: (laughs) I should have prefaced that with don't Google, we're playing a game. Yeah, Ian's, Ian's out.